Hello and welcome to Cocktails, Mocktails, and Crimes. We're your hosts, Jill, Gracia, Dave, Don, Steve, and Craig, our producer, is over there too. Um, so on this lovely rainy Sunday, uh, we're going to go ahead and get right into it. But Gracia, why don't we talk about what we're drinking? Well, today we're doing the story on vampires. So we were going to do a Vampiro, which is a basically a Mexican uh, Bloody Mary, but I could not get all the ingredients. So we will do that later, I promise, because I'm going to order them online still because it sounds delicious. Um, so we just did red wine because let's go with the blood, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Would like to do some necking. <laughs> yeah, and in particular, it's a Pinot Noir A to Z Wineworks uh, from Oregon. Kind of hits you in the back of the mouth. It's a little tart, but it's pretty nice. And Dad's drinking the many boxes of Merlot. Swill. <laughs> All right, Dad. So you've got the story of the week this week. Oh. But I guess before we get started, you wanted me to say something about. I already forgot the term you used, though. Gallows humor. Gallows humor, which basically means it's okay for us to make fun of people, right? Basically. The point is, define it. A lot of people in police work, um, uh, who do forensic work, or people that have to see nasty stuff or describe nasty stuff, they have what's called gallows humor. So they they make jokes, which is what we do. We don't mean anything disrespectful. It's our way of coping with some of these uh, horrific stories. Uh, that's all I thought we ought to say that before anybody gets too offended. Sure. Although if you're from Fall River, too bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can't do anything about Fall River yeah. people. So. That, that, that uh, ship has sailed. Yes, it has. <laughs> all right, Dad. So walk us into vampires. Okay. A little change of pace this week. A crime story that, true as it is, might require your tongue planted a bit in cheek. This is definitely a crime story. Yes, by today's standards, anyways. But I'll leave it to the listener to determine the crime by old 18th and 19th century standards. If you're squeamish, I must warn you, we'll be talking about slow-wasting death, the decimation of New England families and whole communities, grave robbing, corpse mutilation, <laughs> cannibalism, and lastly, possibly, just possibly, vampires. Nice. So it's like we're talking about this morning in Fall River. <laughs> <laughs> Pre-church festivities. Typical Tuesday in Fall River. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the documentation that establishes the gruesome practices we will describe is diverse including eyewitness accounts, family stories, local legends, newspaper articles, local histories, town records, journal entries, personal correspondence, genealogies, gravestones, and even actual human remains. The evidence suggests that therapeutic exhumations probably were not uncommon. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, back that truck up. Therapeutic exhumation. You know, you may you may understand a little bit better as as we get into this okay. why people were doing it and what they got out of it. Um, what? But what it, do that you is get a funny of... term. It is yeah, a strange term. I'm gonna go dig up a body in my backyard for therapy. Well, you might after this. I mean, I you know I can't. I don't guarantee. have any in my backyard. I'd have to go all the way to Dave's house. <laughs> in the like, basement. Yes. This is like the Prince Tried mostly dead phenomenon. Right? 
especially in New England. During the late 1700s and throughout the 1800s, as the following examples indicate, uh, the evidence also shows that in the early years, at least, this practice was known to and accepted sometimes actually endorsed by the community at large, by town officials, by medical doctors, and as we shall see, even by clergymen. Sorry about that. My tongue is twisted up with this box wine here. (laughs) That's what it is. That's it. Yeah, (laughs) that's what it is. Well, let's sink our teeth into this. (laughs) Listen. Listen carefully. You determine what were the real crimes who were the true victims, and lastly, what parallels and lessons can be carried forward into this age of COVID? Are we really today a different human animal? We need context, we need, we need backdrop. So what was it like living in New England, particularly in the 18th, 19th centuries, particularly in rural communities? In the rural communities, subsistence farming was the rule of the day. Every season was maximized to be in anticipation of cruel winter. If you weren't prepared for winter, you starved. Also death, gruesome, sometimes sudden, but often slow, seemed around every corner and visited day and night. Life expectancy was low, particularly for children and childbearing women. Childbirth fever was at its most common and its cause not well understood at that time. Diseases of all kinds maimed and took life, malaria, smallpox, dysentery, diphtheria, scarlet fever, measles, whooping cough, mumps, typhus, and typhus fever. And the great killer, the wasting disease, the white death, known as consumption, now known as tuberculosis. Uh, Sorry, I didn't mean to call you that. In the 18th and 19th centuries, tuberculosis was responsible for 25% of all deaths in the eastern states. Tuberculosis is at the root of the crimes we're going to examine. Now, the cause of TB wouldn't be known until about 1882, and it would take decades for that knowledge to bake into the culture. In those days, the common cold could kill you. A sore throat took George Washington. That and what passed as good doctoring in those days, you know, bleeding, blistering, (laughs) bleaches, what have you. Now, this is important. There is a delirium, a fever dream, if you will, that accompanies tuberculosis. Its victims often hallucinated and lapsed into bizarre fantasies as they suffered and slowly ebbed toward death. The victims in the more lucid states then would describe visitations by deceased loved ones who it was claimed were sucking the very life from them. Doing this, they themselves could remain somewhat alive in their graves. Now, wherever would these delusions come from? The New Englanders of that day were fiercely religious and superstitious. The religions and the superstitions of the old world came with them to the new world, including the vampire. Not a Hollywood vampire or even Brad Stroker's Dracula, which wouldn't be published until 1897. Not Brad. (laughs) I was thinking about Brad Pitt too, though, Dad. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Good movie. 
He was a That's it. wicked sexy vampire. <laughs> Thanks for correcting me, David. You're welcome. But it is okay to think about Brad Pitt as a vampire. Mm. Tom Cruise never, is also a vampire. He did an uh, interview with a vampire. Yeah, that movie yeah. with Tom Cruise. Interview yeah. with a vampire. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm really sorry I brought this part up. But <laughs> <laughs> Dracula wouldn't be published until 1897, but a much more personal, familial, and frightening vampire was well known in superstition at this time. Okay. According to Michael E. Bell, and that is correct. That is his name. Um, New England Michelle. historian and author of Food for the Dead on the Trail <laughs> of New England's think. Vampires, uh, which I highly recommend as, as reading on this topic. The earliest, and again, I'm quoting Michael Bell, the earliest documented consumption vampire ritual is from Willington, Connecticut, 1784. The last authentically documented case occurred 1892 in Exeter, Rhode Island. These dates coincide with the consumption epidemic in New England, which began to rise dramatically in the late 1700s and continued throughout the 1800s. But in 1882, the year that the German physician Robert Koch proved that tuberculosis was caused by a bacterium, the vampire rituals came to virtual halt. Let us begin digging. First, we'll talk about Martha Dwight, Belchertown, Massachusetts, 1788. Wait, wait, I have a true story about Belchertown. Do you know its town motto used to be, you can't lick us? Oh. Or we can't get licked. It was something like that. Yeah, have you Google it? Could it have been, you can't bite us? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Belchertown is kind of a weird, like, it's, it's very small, like, remote. It's like, but it's very close to, like, West, uh, not Worcester, Springfield and all that. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of kind of big towns around it. But then you have Belchertown and, like, um, the Cadleys out there, too, that are really widespread towns that yeah. are, yeah. So, yeah, I used to have to, we go, went through there all the time to get to when Terry lived in Holyoke. So. Yeah, yeah, we golfed there a couple weeks ago. I believe one of the young ladies that's gone missing we'll be covering in future weeks is from that area, too. So we'll be discussing Belchertown later on. And there was the young girl that committed suicide, and I don't know if we ever have talked about covering that. Um, was she, she was the podcast? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it she says where? Um, it's the town that can't be licked. Yeah, it was on the Belchertown signs. But interesting. Yeah, yeah she was. Um, Google must be wrong. You know, the uh, Irish exchange student a um, few years back that committed suicide tragically. Uh, um, was she wearing part- orange? <laughs> she what? <laughs> was she wearing this orange? This morning. She, <laughs> probably, she might have been wearing oh, orange. Oh, one of now those I want to tap on the table. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be getting a visit from the Irish Republican Army. <clears throat> anyway. So, anyway, let's try this again. Martha Dwight, Belchertown, Massachusetts, 1788. That was a while back. This concerns the Reverend Justice Forward. He was the Congregational Minister of Belchertown, Mass. He was a graduate of Yale University, who also served as his town medical doctor early in his 56-year tenure as its minister. And his daughter, Mercy, and this is no relation to Mercy Brown, who we'll talk about last. His dying daughter and Martha Dwight, his daughter buried in 1782, dead of consumption. 
1788, the minister had already lost three daughters and a mother-in-law to consumption. Mercy and another sister were currently fighting the illness. As Mercy Fulward traveled to a neighboring town with her dad one day, she began to hemorrhage copiously. That was a trigger. The good reverend and doctor knew if he was to save his remaining daughters, he would need to do something drastic, having exhausted all else. The reverend Ford was reluctant to try opening the graves of his deceased family members, but allowed himself finally to be convinced, willing to do anything to save his daughters. His mother-in-law's grave was open first, that figures, don't it? Without result. <laughs> However, he soon found a grave that fit the requirements. Bell relays a portion of a letter written by Reverend Ford. Since I've begun to search, I concluded to search further, and this morning opened the grave of my daughter, who had died, the last of my three daughters, almost six years ago. On opening the body, the lungs were not dissolved, but had blood on them, though not fresh, but clotted. The lungs did not appear as we would suppose they would in a body just dead, but far nearer a state of soundness that could be expected. The liver, I'm told, was as sound as the lungs. We put the lungs and liver in a separate box and buried it in the same grave, yes. 10 inches or a foot above the coffin. Well, this act didn't save mercy, Bell says, but Forward's other children seemed to recover and the willingness of Forward and his family, this Yale graduate, this minister, this doctor, to attempt the ritual impartially helped to relieve fear in his community. Bell notes, he ultimately authorized a ritual that, in effect, reestablished social stability, essentially proclaiming that the dead were indeed dead once again. Wait, what was the ritual? Was it just dig up the body and do like an autopsy You on know, it? there was a lot of variations on these oh. rituals. In certain areas of New England, the ritual was just turn them over on their face and rebury them. Other areas, they would pull out the organs. They would burn the organs. They would make some kind of concoction puree <laughs> and drink them. Oh, God. We, um, yeah. <laughs> kind of what I said. diseases were spreading. <laughs> it's <Whoa>. weird. <laughs> so what was the point in their minds of un, um, um, uncovering fear. the body? Oh, I'm sorry. Say that again. What was the point in their minds of digging their the bodies back up? They believed... Because of, again, if you, if you remember, we talked about TB and the delirium and the fevers, and people would have hallucinations, essentially. Okay. So they believed family members were coming back from the grave. Oh, literally, and not in a ghost form. Okay. Well, in a vampire form, and I'm not quite sure what that is, to be honest with you. Uh, something in the dream state that they had. But by the way, these are very, very old beliefs. You'll find these in old Europe. You know, matter of fact, you'll find vampire beliefs as far back as, as the ancient civilizations in, in uh, uh, Egypt and such. And even the Wendigo, which is um, Native America, it has a very similar kind of theory to the idea of vampirism. It's like you get touched mm -hmm. by the Wendigo and you can basically come back 
to physical life, but you're possessed by the Wendigo. Yeah. There, there's um, an episode on Supernatural of that. There is. It's actually what um, most of the Stephen King's Pet Cemetery was mm. kind of loosely based on, if you read the book, not the movie so much. But, but yeah, isn't this yeah. like a phenomenon because they would decide people were dead before they were maybe really dead and that did happen yes in fact um robert e lee's mother was almost buried um before he was born um because she had a uh yeah because they didn't know how to take vital signs so so they didn't know about pulses back then no and you can't go by a pulse yeah um even nowadays that's not a because it could be faint measure brain death right yeah yeah, but that's why wakes are called wakes to see if you were really dead. Oh, yes. I had no so, idea. And everybody boozes it up. <laughs> wow, that makes total sense. See, if I weren't dead, but everybody thought I was dead, and you all were running around drinking wine, well, guess what? You'd get up. I'd get up. You'd be like, "Where's my wine?" Where's the wine? I woke up. <laughs> Don, I think you might drink even if you were dead. <laughs> <laughs> You'll remember that after. I be buried with a glass in his hand. <laughs> yep. Or one of these. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. when we bury you, because they're biodegradable, we'll just like, throw in a couple. Mm, there you go. Just in case you're not I'm thoroughly biodegradable dead. too, you know. It just <laughs> well, takes long. In case you're not thoroughly dead, then you have something to do. <laughs> Console yourself when you're dying. <laughs> <laughs> All right, back to this. Um, Rachel Harris, it's 1793, and we're in Manchester, Vermont. Captain Isaac Burton's first wife, Rachel, lies supposedly moldering in her grave. Rachel had died quickly of the wasting disease. She'd been buried in 1790. It was interesting that TV took a couple of different forms. One would take you right out of the picture, and the other one, it would be a slow wasting process. But well, his first wife here, she went quick. Uh, The good captain married his second wife, her name was Holda Powell on April 4th, 1791. She also became ill within a short time, began to show signs of consumption. Friends and family concluded that the first wife was coming back from the grave, of course she was, and feeding on the lifeblood of Holda, this creating her consumptive condition. They also believed that if the vitals of the first wife were reduced to ashes, Hulda would be cured of the terrible wasting illness. An eyewitness reported, and it was recorded by Judge Jonas Pettibone, that almost 1,000 people, can you imagine this? The name? (laughs) (laughs) Showed up for the gruesome exorcism. Well, you don't got much to do on a Saturday. Yeah, they didn't have cable back then. Yeah, I mean, uh, mean, what else are you going to (laughs) do? What remained of her heart, lungs, and liver were placed on the blacksmith forge of Jacob Mead. The decomposed liver, heart, and lungs were then reduced to ashes. Hmm. Timothy Mead presided over the blessing of the remains in an attempt to purge the demonic disease that gripped Hulda. Some reports indicate that Hulda was made to drink Rachel's ashes, oh, I bet she loved that, with some form of medicine. This form of medicine did not work. What? And hold us to come. Shut the fuck up. That didn't the, work? No, it didn't work. <laughs> they weren't doing it right. <laughs> she, she died you September the 6th. Little did Holda know we'd be laughing about her death a couple hundred years after. But anyway, it didn't work. Hold us to come to the dreaded consumption September 6th, 1793. Damn. Imagine being 
able to dig up an ex-wife, mutilate and burn her organs to the delight of hundreds. Not something I suggest nowadays, as I'm sure arrest and incarceration would soon follow, but... I'm sure a lot of people with ex-wives would gladly do that. (laughs) Agree. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, our third case. And by the way, there's almost a hundred of these cases that are well-documented. I'm only going to do three or four. I would be here all day. I just want you to get the recipes down. <laughs> um, so it's a little bit of sugar, a little bit of salt, <laughs> some liver. Mm. Puree. Will we post these recipes on the <laughs> I actually speak to that issue, but... Um, we got to get Gordon Ramsay to kind of go... You speak to what Fuck issue? Fuck me. <laughs> Are you serious? You're mixing a liver with a heart? <laughs> <laughs> They can have Iron Chef competitions. Yeah. What's, your, what's your secret ingredient this time? Oh, just liver. Everyone gets a pineapple, a liver, yeah. and a brain. Yeah. <laughs> and go. Party <laughs> gifts. Um, okay, this concerns Stuckley, Stuckley, or Stuckley Tillinghast. I love that name. Makes me think of Dudley Do-Right, to be honest with you. Anyway, it's 1799. We find ourselves in Exeter, Rhode Island. One of the leading citizens of town, a very successful apple farmer named Stuckley Tillinghast, has just had a terrible and foreboding dream, which he recorded for posterity. How do you record a dream? Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) You see, see, Steve, that came later. Like, you could have a dream last night, and maybe this morning you might write it down. Yeah, the writing. (laughs) I don't do much of that anymore. (laughs) Okay, in his dream, half of his apple orchard had turned black and withered. Beyond his incredibly successful farm, uh, Stuckley and his wife, Honor, they had 14 children. Holy shit. Imagine that. No. Yeah, back then, (laughs) people would have numerous children because most of them wouldn't survive. So if you wanted to carry on your family name, you would need to have a lot of kids. This would be me. Get the fuck off me. (laughs) (laughs) If you could even say it back then, we go back to the women don't really have, like, we're just there for procreation. But that's like 14 years of your life, you're basically pregnant. Yeah. reason these are called the good old days. Yeah, I have 12 aunts and uncles, so. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I'll tell you something interesting, David. You raised an interesting point. In my research, one of the things I came across was because of the rate of death in children, very rarely did they make puberty or young adulthood. Uh, a lot of times they weren't even named until yeah. a later period of time. I know I found that it's incredible. It's a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like wait till you're going to go ahead and survive. Yeah. Well, it's, it's like the George Foreman effect. You, you right? made it to two. Uh, yeah, call you Gary. And you start <laughs> normally procreating in um, late, you know, teenage years. You know, it was not uncommon for, you know, a 15-year-old to be married. Um, in fact, uh, I think it was Edgar Allan Poe that married his 13-year-old. Yes. Yeah, but yes. wasn't he like 35 or something? Disgusting yeah, well, like she that. could still... Well, your bodies are made like once the girl gets her period, you know, like your yeah, she's your bodies are made for certain things. Uh, No, No. (laughs) we're gonna take your word for that. No, we're made to have 
have babies and you're not. Like, it's not that that's you're not. I'm not saying it like a. <laughs> I just mean at that age now. No, well, back then. Well, back then. I know. Yeah, even, I mean. And that girl really wasn't the most normal individual on earth. Like, mid 20s, you were old. You know, I different. Guess, I guess. You know, and people were kind of different back then. Like Boston Corbett made himself a eunuch. You oh. know, I mean, it's the like, guy who shot Lincoln. Yeah. Not oh, Lincoln. Lincoln's, George Booth. Yeah, Booth. Yeah. He shot Booth. Yeah. Lincoln's a you know, And everybody's got to have a hobby. Yeah. You know. True. So. They were we religious. Yeah. Well, even if you think about it, when you have a baby towards the end of your 30s, they write elderly pregnancy on your file. Like. Uh, really. Yeah, my friend had one at like. 41, and she was considered a ge- geriatric pregnancy or something like that. Mm. So they write it because you're past your bearing years, technically, you know? I guess that part of it makes sense. But the other part... No, the psychological part is rough. <laughs> okay, so we know that Stuckley and his wife, Honor, had 14 children. Very unusual. What was even more unusual was that they were pretty much healthy in 1799. Remember how few few children made it to young adulthood in those times when we just talked about that. But before long after his dream, remember half his orchard went rotten, their daughter Sarah became ill. She began a rapid decline with the telltale signs of consumption. The doctors could do nothing about her condition, which worsened each day. In no time, the dreaded disease beckoned Sarah to her grave in 1799 at the age of 22. Soon after, another of the children became ill, complaining that each night Sarah was visiting her and sucking the life from her body. One by one, the tilling gas children succumbed to the wasting illness, each one in turn complaining that it was Sarah visiting them in the dark hours of the night, stealing what little life they had left in them. When the seventh child, one of the sons, took ill, Well, we can't have that. Family members and neighbors became convinced that a vampire was at work. The children were exhumed and examined. Can you imagine digging up your child? No, but this sounds just like a Buffy episode where, like, there was a bunch of kids in the hospital. Yeah. Yeah, And they thought, like... That was a cool episode. Yeah, it was. And, like, they had this, like, dead person come and, like, suck their life out of them. It was how they survived. Yeah. I'm so sad I never watched Buffy. Uh, good show. It was a really good it show. Was a good That's show. what Christina Christina used to get mad at me because I wouldn't watch it. Yeah. So, she, I, she got me hooked on it. So. Yeah, it's a Did good she? Show. Yeah. It is. Yeah. I that like Buffy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Not for Dad. The children were exhumed an and <laughs> examined. Most of them were well on their way into decomposition. Sarah, the first to die, still had rosy cheeks and the color of the living on her flesh. Her eyes were open, uh-oh, and her hair and nails appeared to have grown. <laughs> this is a sure sign that they'd found their vampire. See, another thing they didn't, they were ignorant of in those days, is what happens to a corpse inside of a box, mm-hmm. uh, particularly when this night hasn't been involved and the organs are moved and what have you. Well, corpses move around. Forces of the earth move them around, right? Their bodies, it isn't that fingernails are growing, it's that their fingers are receding from the see things like that. They had no knowledge of things of that nature. Okay, so the family cut out Sarah's heart and burned it in the front of the house. So here's what we're going to do. Hey, feeling confident that there would be no more nightly attacks, 
this being done, the desecrated and mutilated corpses were returned to their graves. That's nice of them. Mm -hmm. The last child passed away despite the attempt at cure. It was widely concluded that he was just too far gone and his illness to be saved, thus fulfilling Stuckley's dream of Stuckley's dream of losing half of his orchard in the form of his children. You'll find the story of Stuckley telling Gast in an old Rhode Island magazine from October of 1992. The Grave of Honor telling Gast in Exeter, Rhode Island, Historical Cemetery Number 14. The mother of Sarah Tillinghast, the epitaph on the stone reads, she was the mother of 14 children and all lived to grow up. Liars. Sorry. Hmm. It says it on her grave? It does. That's fucked you, up. You can That's go awesome. to these. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Exeter is right where we used to put the boat in, um, in hey, Rhode Island. I think I just won some money. Yeah, and um, <laughs> yeah, right in uh, it, by the prison Kitching. camps in Rutland, um, there's actually there's an old graveyard. But then if you go down the path a little ways, there's a uh, stone specifically for the people who died of TB. So, yeah. Yeah. I want to see the liar grave. I gotta check that out. Yeah, that's cool. It's weird to me though because I well, I mean, I've never like dug up a grave and played with remains, <laughs> but I feel like that's kind of got to be somewhat traumatizing or at least like impactful I guess for a better word imagine it's your own kid though and you're like digging up your own kid and then cutting out their organs and then setting them up fire and like you believe that. they're killing your other kids that's weird yeah, like you it believe. was probably normal too back then Normal. Like I said these are old beliefs, old superstitions yeah. and they had nothing to combat it so there was no scientific they didn't even know germ theory. Yeah, in fact, yeah. in the Civil War, they used to actually, the, if the doctors weren't covered in blood, they would think they weren't working. So a lot of doctors would deliberately put blood all over oh. their clothes. And so, of course, you're going to spread diseases by doing that. Wow. You know, but. And why clean your instruments while you're amputating? Yeah, so I mean, they you know. would, yeah, so they looked at, like, not being filthy as actually a bad thing in the if you were a doctor in the oh. Civil War. So. Right. Awesome. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> David, you are a wealth of information. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's amazing how far society has come right? since then. Jeez. The thing about the visiting these graves uh, is there's a lot of issues with people actually uh, defacing them or vandalizing them. So if you ever should visit any of the graves that we've got in our article here, um, of course... You, you want to be careful of the areas and stuff. These are very old. It doesn't take much to that's, break an old stone. That's so yeah. frustrating. Like when it we is. when we went to Greece a couple of years ago, and we went to the um, Temple of Poseidon. Yeah, it had like some graffiti on it, and it had been damaged. And it's like that's such a treasure to have that still stand the it way is. it's standing. Yeah, it's and then you like put a little face yeah. on it or something. It's so aggravating. Yeah. I have a couple of friends who, two of them actually listen to this podcast. Hello. They do grave rubbings. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's a cool So word. that would be a cool one to go see, I that feel. That would definitely I, be. Any Allison, of these would be. if you're listening be. today. Now, these vampires are listed online beyond the, you know, three or four we're talking about today. Like I said. Allison also had a Halloween wedding, so I feel like she would be into this. You, um. So, wait, <laughs> we can Google, like, vampires in... Rhode Island and get this list of names? Actually, you could. You could also go to the Smithsonian Institution's magazine. If, if you, if you, uh, sorry, if you Google Smithsonian, uh, the Great Vampire Scare of New England, you'll get all kinds of information. There's a lot of YouTubes on this subject. It amazes me there's so few 
few people know about it. I didn't know about this until a few people until right. you brought it up. Yeah, yeah. Me I got and it I from reading the, the Smithsonian. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did not yeah. know the Twilights, but and they didn't have it in there. Huh? <laughs> no, it wasn't in Twilight at all. <laughs> they were too too focused on the glittering. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay, our last candidate, the candidate. most famous probably <laughs> candidate. <laughs> <laughs> here for president. At the end, you get to vote for which is <laughs> she, the she'd most She'd have been vampire-y. better than that last guy we had. Uh, <laughs> Mercy Brown, Exeter, Rhode Island. Boy, that Rhode Island's a perfect that. spot for vampires. You're probably thinking of Murphy Brown? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I've heard of Mercy Brown. Mercy Brown. <laughs> Murphy Brown. Brown Brown. That was a good show, though, Murphy Brown. Anyway, it was a good show. It's 1890. She is the last known American vampire according to the Smithsonian Institute. Edwin Brown of Exeter, Rhode Island, was slowly dying of the White Death. That's her brother. It was consuming him, wasting him slowly but surely, causing him to continuously gasp for air as he drowned in the blood he kept spitting up. In an effort to save himself, he actually traveled to uh, Colorado Springs, known for its curative air and mineral waters. In 18 months, Edward returned to Exeter to his father's farm. His father was George Brown, very prosperous Yankee farmer for that time. Remember that subsistence farming, that means just survival farming, was the rule of the day. So George Brown had watched helplessly as the disease known as consumption took the lives of his wife, Mary Brown, in 1883, followed by his 20-year-old daughter, Mary Olive, six months later. While his only son, Edwin, grew weaker and weaker in the winter of 1892. Tuberculosis always t- also excuse me, took his 19-year-old daughter, Mercy Lena Brown, who passed away after a year of sickness, January 19th, 1892. Now, according to History.com, a group of Exeter residents believe that Edwin's mother or one of his sisters may be undead, caught between heaven and hell and sucking the life out of him from beyond the grave which meant the cure could rest with their bodies. So with the extremely reluctant blessing of George Brown, who had first discounted this vampire theory, his relatives and neighbors visited the Brown family plot in the town's Chestnut Hill Cemetery on March 17, 1892. The small graveyard behind the town's Baptist church, they exhumed the bodies of Mary Brown and Mary Olive Brown. They opened the caskets and as would be expected, found only their bones inside. Now, according to Atlas Obscura, Mercy's grave exists today in the Chestnut Hill Cemetery. It's a small graveyard behind a tiny white Baptist church off of Tenrod Road, a couple of miles from I-95. A path goes directly through the center of the cemetery, about halfway down, which, and on the left, is the Brown family plot. It's beneath an evergreen tree if you need further markers. Mercy's grave is reinforced with a metal band connected to a post embedded in the ground to protect the famous grave, and this is a famous grave, from being stolen. Directly across the cemetery from the brown plot is a small triangular stone building cited as the crypt in this story. Now, there's some confusion about, did they dig her up from her grave? 
or because it was winter, was she still in the crypt because the ground was too hard waiting to be buried? And so they, you would not have, in Exeter, Rhode Island, been able to bury somebody in those days in the middle of winter. So so that's probably what, what yeah. the case is. So I've uh, I've got pictures here of, of uh, the crypt as well as the uh, the gravestone. And we can post birthday. those later, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I'd love to tease the audience because they can't see the picture. So, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I can see them. Anyway, further, history.com notes the townspeople then turned their attention to this casket of Mercy Brown, died eight weeks earlier. Counts differ as to whether Mercy's body, and we already talked about it, had already been buried or if it rested in a crypt till the ground could thaw and undertakers could dig a grave. However, when the lid was lifted off of Mercy's coffin, her body was found on her side, her face appeared flush, and there was blood in her heart and in her veins. Yeah, she probably froze. <laughs> probably. Mm. She they could have been bad. A lot of people were buried alive back mm -hmm. in those days. But yeah. I mean, she even if she wasn't, if she was dead, mm. she probably froze, and that prolongs the process of decomp. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I read about some serial killers who did that. Yeah, the Iceman. Yeah, he used yeah. to freeze people, and that's why they actually called him the Iceman because he didn't. He forgot to fully thaw out one of his victims once before he actually disposes of the body. So when they go to do the autopsy, there's all this ice inside of the body. Mm. Yeah. So. Yeah, and in the Drowning Men episode we did, remember one of the guys? Mm -hmm. He was frozen in the water, so yeah. they weren't. He mm -hmm. didn't go into decomp, so they weren't able to tell the exact time of death. Yeah. Do you know what the morgue attendant said, David? Stirred, not shaken. <laughs> they gathered firewood. These are the good townspeople. They kindled a bonfire on a pile of nearby rocks. By the way, you can still see some of this area. Then they cut out Mercy's heart, lungs, and cremated them on the pry. They returned to Edward and Brown's house with the ashes of his dead sister's heart, mixed them with water. Edwin consumed the concoction but the tuberculosis continued to consume him. He died two months later Weird. on May 2nd, 1892. Weird thing. Your birthday. My Aww. birthday, yes. In that year, too. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> You're was, old. My God. He is old. The old as dirt. <laughs> the story of Mercy Brown is said to have inspired a Bram, hey, I spell it right here, Stroker, who wrote Dracula and is often referred to in That's books by H.P. Lovecraft. Certainly is a bloody tale and one that will live on for generations. So now we have a bloody taste through these three separate or four separate incidents spanning a hundred years of the great New England vampire scare. Do Google this to get a great number of sites dedicated to these times. And more money? Many tales exist of grave and corpse desecrations, the mangling and burning and, dare I say, pureeing of organs of corpses, and, of course, the drinking and further consuming of the results. And no, there will be no recipes offered by this team <laughs> online. Wait a minute. I thought you we just said you said you were going to recipes. I said I was going to speak to this history. I, <laughs> I didn't say I was going to do a I recipe. I mean, I'm thinking, like, Better Homes smoothies. and Gardens cookbooks. Like, yeah, <laughs> there's smoothies going on. There's <laughs> ashes, right? You kind of, like, put it with... We could get our own little Jeffrey Dahmer's book of gore. You know, yeah. it could be fun. You're yeah. onto something here. <laughs> Just gonna find the corpses. Cool with Steve going on killing sprees in Vermont. <laughs> <laughs> so he can report on them. 
Allegedly. <laughs> no, yet he hasn't gone to Vermont yet. Okay, the, the whole point of this in my mind and the reason I, I, I love history and I do these kinds of things is I want to answer that question, does the past inform the present? One last thing to consider in our age of COVID, have we changed and haven't we? Let me take a swig of bleach while I ponder that. Yeah. So, guys, you guys have anything to say about this? I thought you were supposed to, that the president said to inject the bleach, not drink it. No, he said inside the, well, well, he said, yeah, he was basically asking a doctor, and the poor doctor, because she's scared to contradict the president of the United States, but he's basically asking her, is there any way we can use, like, bleach or cleaners inside of a person's body? They're like, what do you think, you <laughs> fucking moron? Her face is the best. Yeah, she, like, like, just this blank um, stare. He also but, said at that same news conference about the light, the light inside yeah, the, the body. Light. See, I, I actually have a theory about the light. See, they came in to Mike Pence's office, and he's there with one of his aides, and Mike Pence has got to think of something. He's like, uh, yeah, we're uh, we're looking for a cure for COVID. Um, yeah. <laughs> never mind this lava lamp thing that you just saw. You know, it's, uh, you know. Because Mike Pence is definitely one of those guys that seems like, you know, he protests too much. Yeah. <laughs> so. He sort of does. Yeah, he can't have women aides, but of the male persuasion. Yes, he can. <laughs> and, you know, the thing is, is that when, you, when people are, like, trying to pray the gay away and you get somebody on their knees, it's only a matter of time until <laughs> somebody says, hey, while you're down there, <laughs> you know... Yeah, I My think child. Pence is a little bit of a white stance in the bathroom stall kind of guy. Whoa. A white as long stance. as he doesn't talk to the other guy, that's fine. <laughs> so the, the first line of psychological defense. Well, you know what else sucks it? What? Vampires. <laughs> <laughs> I brought it back. The first line of psychological defense in a human crisis like this is denial. Have we seen that? Oh, sure. I mean, yeah, you do see that, time you know, especially with the crazies. Yeah. Yeah, just yesterday, there were there. There's a bunch of people now that are going to wear the Star of David because they're comparing wearing masks to the persecution of the Jews during what? the Holocaust. Oh, disgusting. I, I, I'm sorry. Those people can fuck all the way off. Yeah, uh, right. honestly. Yeah. Like, you know, if you're going to compare crystal knot to being told that you should wear a mask, uh, you need to you need to go take a fucking history class, yeah. seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's just, it's sick what was done to the the Jewish people in the, during the Holocaust. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's just insane to be making that comparison. Yeah. Yep. And the, Ted, I went on the uh, internet. You guys can go true or false here. Here's some of the things I found. There are microchips planted in the vaccines. True or false? Oh my God! I've heard that that you're <laughs> when you get yeah. vaccinated, you get chipped. But I got my first vaccine shot, and it did hurt. So it could have been a microchip. We're already chipped. So like Jill votes. If yeah. you are chipping me, you are already chipped. Yeah, Name one thing. person in the world that doesn't have this. Mm-hmm. You're already chipped. If you have this in your life. She's wagging her phone it's, there. You know, you know. Sorry. Yeah, I'm wagging my phone. But <laughs> it's. I th- I hate that argument, like that you're chipped. I'm like, dude, Google knows more about me than I know about yeah. me. It's it's easy for people to say that because what what they can't see 
is what thrives um, conspiracies. Like if you can't <laughs> see it, yeah. then you can create anything on it. Like it's, you're getting chipped or so the people whatever. couldn't see TV. They couldn't see. Yeah. yeah. And the yeah. other thing is that and nowadays you can't see COVID. It's an explanation for people to accept needs to seem as big as the event itself. So it's like, you know, and regardless of what you think about um, Kennedy conspiracies one way or the other, a lot of it's always going to be precipitated by the simple fact that a president was killed. Right. So the explanation has to be as That's big the, uh, as the event. That makes sense. Well, and even yeah. though I actually don't believe personally that Oswald did it, but it's still something that whenever you right. read those things, you have to keep that in your mind. It's mm -hmm. like people are motivated by that because mm -hmm. it's hard to process. It's like, you right. know, but in reality, he is just a human being. And yes, some random loser with a gun could easily shoot at a car, mm -hmm. you know, but. Mm -hmm. Okay, so a few more of these. So true or false, 5G is attacking our brains with COVID. <laughs> that's a new one for me. Oh, Actually, that's that. no. all over it's, the internet. That's an old one? That's an old one? Yeah, yeah, back in March, last March. Wow, 5G? 5G. Well, it's worth it for better cell phone service. Exactly. It is, you know? Like, there's so many times where my GPS now works that I'm like, you know, this you is know, pretty good. Mm -hmm. You can't make Thank an you, omelet. <laughs> so, cocaine protects against it? Ooh, Good I tip. thought you'd like that. One. <laughs> <laughs> so there's cow urine. Uh, so let's go back to cocaine. Cocaine can possibly <laughs> protect against it because Donald Trump got it, and that guy's constantly on cocaine. Constantly on like, cocaine. listen to him. It's <laughs> 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 like. Oh, I've never heard anybody snort so much. Oh. <laughs> so how about this? Vodka makes a great hand sanitizer. Yes, it does. It actually, does. that's yeah. true. That one I don't mind ingesting a little. Yeah, and um, we have a friend who, anytime like he's worried about people getting sick, Jason, he'll like throw vodka in the toilets and say he'll use it as a cleanser too. Seems I have a good story about this. Go ahead. I was in Ireland and we were doing a. Um, the tour of the Northern Ireland, the uh, Game of Thrones tour, that's what it was called. And our bus driver, my knee was sore because everybody knows they have knee problems, so it was swollen. And he's like, oh, I have vodka for you. Let's rub it on there. And I was like, what? No, he's you like, drank it in Ireland. No, he said <laughs> that, He was talking about your knee, right? Yes. Okay. He said that if you, any inflammation in your body, if you rub <laughs> vodka on it and then put a heating pad, I was like, so do you have a heating pad as well? He's like, hmm, no. But when you go home tonight... Vodka and a heating pad. And I was like, vodka heals everything, doesn't it? Yeah, no, it was a heating pad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? I love Ireland. Okay, what's next, Dad? Uh, let's see. Oh, COVID came from outer space. Is space that the, that's why Space Force is a thing. Or is that yeah. the Jewish space lizards, or is that something else? Wait a minute. Jewish space lizards? <laughs> oh, I didn't oh, hear that yeah. one. Oh, Jewish, Jewish space, space lasers. Yeah. Oh, oh, never mind. <laughs> that, that's the Democrats as the lizards. <laughs> What? Don't look at me like that. <laughs> it's been in the news. <laughs> well, then it must be true. <laughs> it's like, it's it's like a new saying, the, like the a Q -Q bumper sticker surprise that I saw me. recently that says, if you're hearing crazy voices, turn off Fox News. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. I'm going to be honest with you, I don't watch the news because it's very well, confusing and scary, so... 
Well, it's every people are talking about it now outside the news about what the, my the Q conspiracies are and all that stuff. How about chloroquine phosphate, which is what you use yes. to to clean yeah. out fish tanks and stuff mm. like that? We'll cure it. We also got that from our president. Some somebody actually took their fish tank cleaner about a year ago, <laughs> drank it, and uh, unfortunately did not survive. The yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, do but, not drink. But, but Trump said... But it's Trump so said. to laugh at that, but... <laughs> it's no, a, you it, know, when you look at your toothbrush and you say, use the fuzzy end, like, this is why. Yeah. Like, come on. But it, 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 at some point, you really can't blame the messenger. You have to blame these people. Yeah, no, you stupid. do. And, oh, well, and, and well the messenger is. Well, he is the president of the United States, but still, I mean, he, he's Donald Trump. I mean, you only have to listen to him for five seconds to tell he's a fucking idiot. Yeah. So, Not everybody I mean, thinks that. Not everybody I thinks know. that. That's the I, problem. I get it, they think he's like the smartest person. But it could be him, or it could be anyone saying it. But the the point is, these he's people are going to do it. Um, yeah, it's natural. Whether it's selection. him saying it or someone else saying it, yeah. Yeah. they're going to do it. Yeah, that's why they drink the Kool Aid. I mean, look how many times people have done stupid things in history. Mm-hmm. You know, drinking the Kool Aid is. Yeah. Is we, there for a we, reason? We will always know? have thirty to forty percent of our population, adult population, um, being dumb. Oh. Yeah, yeah, we will. Lincoln just, spoke to it during his his time too. He said, "You know, you can fool some of the people all of the time," <laughs> and he was right. Oh, I thought that was it, George Bush. No. No, that's the guy you can't fool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he's one of these. For example. <laughs> All right, I cut off Steve. Go ahead. No, I'm just going to relate it. It reminds me of a recent uh, accident that happened over the weekend where two kids in Texas um, got killed in, in a car accident, and uh, one kid was in the passenger, one kid was in the back seat. No one was driving, and. Of course. The, the car, Mysterious. the car moved off and oh, hit no. a tree, and it caught fire. And um, when the news reported it, they reported that it was the Tesla's auto autopilot fault. Oh, that's right. I read this. Yeah. 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 And it's like, no, it's the no. kids moving because no, they don't the, want to get caught. Yeah. No, the, no, the kids actually were trying to use it um, or trying to have it go on its own when it's not designed to, and they oh. bite. They bypassed all the alerts in the in the car, uh, where there's putting the seat buckle on and putting a weight on the steering wheel, so that it would just not not oh, disengage. And it's not a full stealth driving car yet. And the kids were trying to do something stupid for TikTok and got. By the way, Steve, your car will drive by itself. You showed me that last week. Just but but, the, but they're bl- my point is they're blaming. Tesla instead of blaming these dumbass kids for doing it. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And kids are on, on TikTok are sleeping in the back of the car while driving on the highway and it's like... Well, it's like the Tide Pod challenge where they were all right. getting fucking tied and then you got the announcement, don't feed your kids laundry detergent. And I was like, wait, what? I shared <laughs> this the other day it on looks like Facebook, candy. too. There was a TikTok challenge to sexually assault women. Oh, so yeah, that was supposed to be yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah yesterday. So it's getting a little out of control. Mm-hmm. I, I'm... That's uh, no. <laughs> Although the best Period. thing about TikTok is Leilani's one woman Macbeth show, <clears throat> Peanut Butter Forever. There are some fun stuff on there. There but is. In every social media, there's this area that yeah, turns dark. They gotta figure yeah. out how to not have people 
you know, licking toilet seats and stuff like like licking those things seats. are, you know, and that was a COVID challenge, actually, speaking of that. There were people um, filming themselves licking toilet seats in public areas um, to put it on TikTok. And I don't know why you would want to share with somebody that you've just licked a toilet seat. Yeah. I, I, just, know, so I, guy was I have a funny story about toilet seats. guy was licking. doing that, and he was spanking <laughs> himself <laughs> with a lady's high heels thing. What? I mean, that's some strange. Well, maybe that isn't strange. I don't. You know, I don't have what TikTok, do and I'm know? starting to feel like <laughs> it's addicting. You'll sit there and scroll for hours. Yeah. Mm. I, I, I have a funny Steve looking knows. story. So I used to bartend at Fridays, and after Fridays, my work one night, we all went to Leitrim's. Everybody knows where Leitrim is on Park Ave in Worcester. Um, hey, most people who are listening probably do. It is the diviest bar. It's been there forever. It's like this Irish bar. The back bar is disgusting. Never been cleaned. Like, just gross. And one of my friends dared my friend Nikki to lick the whole thing, and she did. Oh. Is she dead now? I literally, every time I drive by it, I go, oh, my God. What did Nikki, she lick? The whole back bar. Like, where Why? Because she was dared to do it, and she did it. She probably... Ingested some yuck. Interesting chemicals. Well, listen, I'll close with this. This is this... why I think people do stupid things. Mm. Yeah, I've often wondered why people. Do... But anyway, um, and, and we should blame those people, not other people. We know it's a matter of root cause when you come to, to issues like with those kids in the car. So if they didn't have a car that could do that, they could have never done that. The kids. So I so mean, it's not it's, Tesla's fault it's, though. N- no, well, they, they, it's they, a legal they, issue. It's we, like. People do it with regular cars. You ever heard of a yeah, brick on, I mean, a, a brick on the gas? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's true. I well, sent. Uh, I left a car running with my three children in it, and it, it I, somehow Christina popped into five gear. And you let her I drive us. I know. Yeah, she went right through a fence and over a. Yes. Uh, how over would you the river and through the and, and it traumatized. <laughs> and Allison and I were in the living room. We, we just decided, okay, we're ready yes, to leave. We're looking out the window, running. going, "Where's the car?" They left a car running with three toddlers in the car. Talk about And they went in the living room. Why Talk about expert parenting. Mm. We yeah, got this no was back in the it. day where everybody was like, you could drive like with your kids like in the back of a van, not <laughs> yeah. seatbelt, yeah. you know, bouncing up and down or, or on the, the back of a truck bed. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, back of a truck bed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But putting yeah. them behind the wheel with the keys and the ignition and the car running, <laughs> being like, have a nice ride, kids. You know. So coronavirus has been found in vampire bats. True or false? Uh, they don't know. Yeah, it hasn't. I thought it was in regular bats. I don't know about vampire bats. It's in vampire bats. Oh, okay. oh it's in vampire Uh-oh. bats. Uh-oh. <laughs> anyway, thank you. I'm all done. <laughs> <laughs> but we're not. <laughs> well, you know what? And I tap out. I've had enough of you. I've done. got plenty more to say. Done. Oh, all right. I'm sorry. We continue then. <laughs> Now, with your permission. <laughs> I believe in controlling my episodes. Oh, wow. <laughs> Is that what that was? That's what that was. I haven't reached my peak yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you keep your hands on the table. <laughs> it would be super helpful if everyone who listened could give us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify is about to come out with a new tool for reviews. Right, Craig? Anywhere else? Where they could give us reviews. 
I'm going to have to think about that and place it in later. <laughs> come up with all the best answers. Okay, we'll be a couple of weeks then. <laughs> Both negative and positive are nope. appreciated. No, nope. no, negative or not appreciated. <laughs> nope, no. Nope. Yeah, cool. and keep sending in your ideas for podcasts. Yeah, that's right. We're going to yeah. be doing. Uh, yeah, so I think next time we're going to cover Holly Peranian. Yes, which is a sad, sad story. And then after that, I think it's... DC Snipers? And then snipers or Snipers? snipers. snipers. Oh, he was New England accent, Snipers. Oh. Thank you for listening to us on this episode of Cocktails, Mocktails, and Crime. Be sure to subscribe in your favorite app so you don't miss an episode. You can also send us an email to cocktailsmocktailsandcrime at gmail.com. Or follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Cocktails, Mocktails, and Crime. Or Twitter at CM Crime One. See you all next week. <laughs>